Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as you've heard on the video, would we really ask God not to lead us into temptation? So far, all of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, which we've studied this month, have been positive. We've asked God four things. Hallow your name. Bring your kingdom. Bring your will, your desires on earth. Give us the food we need to eat today. Forgive us. Help us forgive one another. And now we come to this petition that stated in the negative, do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We're taught to pray that to God. Abba, Father, the way the prayer begins. Was God planning on leading us there until we ask him not to? Is God capable of that? Do you think these things when you recite the Lord's Prayer even? Matthew 6.13, the last of the petitions is found there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or depending upon what translation you read, bring us not into evil. We've studied the Lord's Prayer from Matthew's Gospel this month, but it's interesting if you look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, when the Lord's Prayer is mentioned, it's because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them a prayer, like John taught his disciples a prayer. Jesus, we would like one special for our group. Not uncommon for a rabbi to teach his students a prayer that encompassed all that they should remember all that was of utmost priority for this new group. In that context, when they asked Jesus to teach them a prayer that would be just for them, he taught them to pray to God, the Father, lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. By the way, I think the, it's appropriate to read the second part of the, peti the petition, not just as repetition, saying it over again, but completing the thought. Lead us not into temptation, get us completely out of evil, is the request. Because God was headed that way? Because God is capable of that? Isaiah 45, the Lord speaking, I form the light and the darkness. I create and make peace and evil. I, the Lord, do these things. Not a shortage of passages in our Bibles that attribute evil and darkness and, as Dan said, badness to God. God speaks in the first person. I delivered the Assyrians into the hands, the Judah into the hands of the Assyrians. I allowed them to plunder. If evil comes upon a city, have I not caused it? In the Old Testament and in the history of ideas, Everything is attributed to God. It will be hundreds, if not thousands, of years before these thoughts are nuanced and carefully thought through. It will be a long time before people will come to the point, and even today we're not always sure what God wills and what God doesn't. But Jesus is very clear in the Gospels. If you look at the references uh, with Jesus where Jesus mentions Satan and evil, when Jesus heals the woman bent over for 18 years and straightens her upright, he says, it was Satan who bound you, not God. When he's arguing, when there's a debate with Peter, he says to Peter's face, get behind me. When Simon is Lord, Jesus says it was Satan who who tempted Simon. When Judas has his problem, it said that Satan entered Judas. When the good seeds are sown out on the soil, it's Satan who comes and snatches them up. 
When the 70 disciples come back after their big healing mission across the region, they come and tell Jesus what they've done, and Jesus said, Oh, I know I saw Satan falling like lightning from the sky. And when Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation, it is Satan who tempts him, not God. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, deliver us from evil, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil, I don't believe it's a statement about God at all. I believe it's a statement about humans. From where we stand day after day, we are surrounded by temptation and trial and evil. This is our reality. It's already evidenced in the Lord's Prayer, by the way, because they've been taught to ask for forgiveness from God and from one another. They probably only need forgiveness because there's been trial and temptation and they've fallen and there's been evil. The problem with evil and temptation and trial is a human problem. One of the great deceptions in the Bible is to confuse us, I think, to persuade us that perhaps God does lead us into the temptation, God does take us to the edge of evil, that somehow this evil is at the hand of our God. I don't think Jesus is confused about that at all. It is Satan who binds people. So I try and tell you when Eugene Peterson gets a translation spot on, and he's got it this time. Matthew 6:13, in his paraphrase, he takes the petition and says, Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. That is a terrific paraphrase of this text. We are the ones that have a problem. Protect us from ourselves, God. A prayer for protection. By the time the Christian church is developed and a couple hundred years later, they have this understanding. In James 3, in James 1, beginning with verse 13, listen to their understanding about evil and temptation. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his or her own evil desire they are dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. They get clear in the early Christian church where evil comes from, and Jesus tells the truth honestly. You need to be saved from yourself. It starts inside, me and you. We have a softball game tonight, if you heard that announced, between the young adults and the young families at this church, and I hope whatever else you're doing over this weekend, you'll consider coming tonight, 7.30, down to the fields behind the Chinese church at Loma Linda, off of Van Leuven there. 7.30, we'll start with worship, and then we'll have a very friendly game of softball. Now, this softball game was designed uh, as a, a friendly thing between church members because we would like to raise money for the mission trip, the young adults and some youth going to Mexico in a couple of weeks. I want to tell you, from the moment I put my mitt on, my glove for practice, in preparation for this friendly game tonight, where I'm playing with the young adults, because they asked first, and now I'm being tortured by all my older friends, which I remind the young adults Thursday night on the ball field, you all don't even have money, but at least the young adults can write out an offering check. I don't know what I think I'm doing playing with the young adults. From the moment I put this glove on, you know people say to you, 
This is for fun. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you win or you lose, it's what? How you go out and have a good time. Everybody's out there to raise money for the mission trip. Doesn't matter who wins or loses, and that is such a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> Come on, I want to win. I put the glove on my hand. This is my academy baseball glove. I put it on my hand. I step on the field. I don't want to have fun tonight. I want to win. Right? I will have fun if I win. That's right, Arlen. Great theology from the front row. So I went and looked in my uh, scrapbook from my academy days, all the varsity sports. Do you know, I cannot find one sheet, I ca did not keep one score sheet where my team lost. I didn't keep one score sheet where I was pointless. I mean, I, I only kept the sheets where, where I was the high score, where I dominated the game, where I was the star. You know who, don't want to have a good time, I want to win. Comes from deep inside. I feel it the moment I put my glove on my hand, this thing inside. When Jesus teaches us to pray, the prayer, lead you not into temptation, deliver you from yourself, it's because he knows. Evil is not necessarily out there or only out there. Evil is in here. Another great deception in our understanding. Somehow I think we have the notion that the problem with evil in the world is really an out there problem, especially with the abundance of evil in the world and the complicated conversation that it is. And I like the, NT, the way N.T. Wright says this, we perceive of evil as some cosmic floppy thing out there. We perceive of evil as that which is behind bars in the Riverside County Jail. Evil is maybe what's locked up in Guantanamo Bay this morning. Evil, some people say, that's when the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima, right? Evil, when they arrested on Monday the Serbian leader, Radovan Kartovic, arrested for Bosnian war crimes, more than 10 years old now, who was hiding. That's evil. It's one of the great deceptions to think of evil as this cosmic floppy thing out there or evil as something contained in a few bad guys in the world and maybe a few bad gals in the world. But otherwise, if we could just contain that evil world, our world would be okay. But Jesus tells the truth when he says, you need to be protected from yourselves when we're talking about evil. You need to be delivered from yourselves, not the evil out there, the evil within here. When we began talking about the Lord's Prayer, I suggested that the prayer ought to be read with lenses two directions, one for this old world here where we live, and one for the world to come that will create the new earth. The prayer asks us to work for today, that which we know God will bring about tomorrow. In a way, it's a pray-it-forward kind of prayer, right? It's a grabbing the future and pulling it into today, today kind of prayer, borrowing from what God has in mind. We're, we're taught to pray, God's kingdom now, God's will now, God feed your people their daily bread now, forgive us now, your will now, and evil, take it away right now. So my question is, can you even imagine a world with no evil? 
Can you imagine your home with no evil? Your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, our church? Can you even imagine a world with no evil, that which opposes God's goodness and God's creation? It is easy for us to groan over the fact that so much evil exists. It's easy for us to cry over evil's far reach into our world and throw up our hands because we can't comprehend this problem. So we begin to think of this as we're on a sinking ship that's going down, and if you think it's going down, and the only thing that can resolve this is that great and terrible day when God finally sweeps in, and if their ship is going down, you put on your life vest, and you pull your family close, and you take your last breath, and you close your eyes and say your prayers if your ship is going down. Or, or, we can begin by imagining a world of no evil today, and work it backwards. The Bible gives us some examples of what that looks like in these scenes we can hardly imagine where a lion and a lamb lay together, where a serpent and a child play in a grassy field, where people gather around a throne and sing, holy, 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 everybody sings the same praise chorus, by the way, in heaven, a world with no evil. Can you imagine can you let your imagination do that work and work backwards? What does a world look like with no evil? And if your mind doesn't work that way, perhaps it's better to try starting in another spot, admitting the evil is within here. The evil begins inside of me and you, not out there some uncontainable place. We could name the power of evil in our homes. We could name evil in our world when we see it. Begin to name it. Personal evil, greed, and superiority, and hatred of all kinds, and entitlement. That's just the beginning of a long list of what evil might look like in your life, what it looks like in mine. Name it. And it is interesting, when we choose to do those activities Jesus chose, what a statement we make against evil. Every time Jesus heals someone, the woman bent over, doubled, stands up. Do you know he's saying to the evil, you don't belong in God's good world? Every time hungry people eat in the Bible, God is saying, evil, stop intruding in God's good world. Every time Jesus himself sits and eats with people he's not supposed to, people who are less than him, dirtier than him, outcast, every time he does that, he's saying to evil, get out of God's good world, you don't belong. When we do what Jesus did, we begin to work on a world where there is no evil. Today. Right now. Anne Lamont, who I enjoy reading, who's a little bit sacrilegious, by the way. Confess that to you in case you go buy a book. I like what she says. When she's looking for insight and answers, she says... I rarely find insight when I sit around thinking, thinky thoughts. Although I enjoy thinky thoughts, by the way. I rarely find insight when I sit around and think thinky thoughts, but when I look into the messiness of the, the world, I usually get a clue. That's all Jesus is asking the disciples to do. 
Just look around at the temptation and the evil all around you. Don't have to have all the philosopher puzzle pieces in place to understand this problem. Don't have to have the, the nature of God and the breadth of God and the power of God and the scope of God completely understood to begin working on a world with no evil. We can brace ourselves as if we're going down on a sinking ship, or we can take another perspective, which is represented by the communion table this morning. Because the ship isn't sinking, if I stay with that metaphor. When God goes to the cross, God is meeting evil and making a statement. The cross and then the empty tomb the next Sunday morning are God's statement to evil. Not that the ship is going down, but the ship on stormy seas will eventually come to a place of calm and wholeness where no evil will be present. That is the perspective from the communion table. That's the perspective of Christians, of, of Christians in today's world. When we sit in front of the communion table, the message is so very clear. Some, someone has said, all you need is the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Prayer to have all that you need in a Christian worship experience. Do you believe that? All you need is the Lord's Prayer, all that Jesus taught. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will, your desires, make them known now. Feed your people, God. Forgive your people, God. Make sure we stay completely out of evil and trouble. For yours is the kingdom and the glory. That's all that Jesus taught. If you had just the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Table, which is a symbol of all that God is doing in our world, we would have what we need. Imagine there's no evil. When you look at the communion table this morning, we sit in front of it once a quarter, every three months. I think we tend to sit in front of the communion table and we reflect on our own personal weaknesses and our own problem with sin. And we look at the communion table and the cup and the bread and, and we're grateful that God has solved. I'm grateful God has solved my sin problem. But I would like to invite you this morning to broaden your gaze at the table. That the conversation is so much bigger than personal sin. That God's abilities here that we're celebrating have to do with God meeting evil at the cross and the empty tomb and saying, you do not belong in my good creation. Get out. That's the communion table. Can you imagine a world with no evil friends? Today, this afternoon, in your home, could you begin it now? In just one area, imagine there's no evil. And see what God could do. From 1 Corinthians 13, I want to read with you this morning, read to you some of the oldest words Christians know and have heard. I received from the Lord that which I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant the new covenant of my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, and I will add the Lord's resurrection until he comes. I invite you as you're holding your bread and your cup this morning to just bow your head as we prepare to pray, I invite you to call to mind one thing, one thing that opposes God's goodness in your world, one thing you're responsible for, one little piece of evil in your world. Can you call that to mind this morning? The most powerful love in the universe says to you today, I can take care of that evil. The most powerful love in the universe that's gone to the cross and through the empty tomb speaks to your family today. I can take care of this evil. God, as I hold your bread, your body, this symbol in my hand, I am reminded immediately that such a tiny little piece of dry flour is, is just a, a far stretch from that which what it points to, your love, your broken body on our behalf. Thank you for a love that is so strange and confusing all at the same time, so powerful and so capable. We rest in that this morning, your broken body, the body of Jesus for us. With great thanks and responsibility, we take this bread today. Abba, Father, as we hold this cup in our hands, we ask that you continue to speak to our hearts and remind us that this is the blood that was poured upon Calorie, Father, sacrifice. Father, we ask that you bless this cup that reminds us of our salvation, our forgiveness. And Father, it reminds us of our eternal love that we may be cling to you as our true vine, Father. And we ask that you bless this and we thank you for your blood. Amen. Jesus says to each of you, take, this is my body broken for you. And likewise, the cup, Jesus invites, take and drink it all. This is my blood spilled for you. The Bible says that the disciples sang together. We're going to do that also. Thank you, Chris, and your team for leading us. So to that power that is above all, above all kingdoms and wealth and treasures, that power we were taught to call Abba, Father, to that power who can even, and who is the only power who can save us from ourselves, be the kingdom and the honor and the glory forever and ever as Jesus taught us to pray. And I invite you to say, church, amen. Amen. I invite you to think about coming out tonight at 7.30, and I want to let you know next Sabbath when you come, there will be people here to pray with you after both worship services. If that would be meaningful to you,
please come and feel at ease. People, those from the prayer team will be here after each worship service and available for personal prayer. And uh, we're excited to have that start next Sabbath. Go in peace today. Amen.